Sunbury Lions in the Ballarat Football Club went to Box Hill. Sam Mitchell liked what he saw. And now here he is saluting on the big stage. Lockie Bramble. Lewis down to Wingard on the left. He doesn't need much time and space. He smells a goal. He snares the goal and they're standing up this young, inexperienced team. Daniel Howe, is he going for goal? You bet he is. Look at that strike. Does it get the journey? It does. What a performance from Daniel Howe this afternoon. They do not want the home and away season to come to an end, Hawthorne. It's another upset for them down in Tassie. As Clarko says farewell to Utah Stadium with another triumph. Yes, the Alistair Clarkson farewell tour rolled on with the Hawks producing an impressive upset win in Tassie. There's plenty to talk about from that game as well as plenty to discuss as the club gears up for its final game of the season and a fond farewell of two club icons. Welcome to the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and tears. Let's talk about what went down against the Dogs last weekend in Launceston. Any hope of a Doggies Premiership, that went down, gone. (laughs) All over. Bye-bye. They looked awful, we looked great. We're one of the form teams coming into the finals, and we're not going to be there. (laughs) All of a sudden, we're pushing for, what is it, 13th? We could be above Carlton. Who said that? But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What a, what a, well, what is it, four-week period we've had. You know, you would never have expected this. Obviously, the off-field stuff was really affecting some uh, confidence in the group, and we've seen the young, the youth just step to the fore. Uh, Some of the stats from the weekend against, you know, they're one of the best sides in the comp. They'd be pretty confident heading down to Tassie to play us. Now, they've got excuses that have been written about in the paper. Oh, the plane was delayed, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, we look so much better. Inside 50s. 16 more. Hitouts plus 40, centre clearances plus 6, marks plus 36, tackles inside 50 plus 8. It just seems like in so many areas of the ground we just completely smashed them. Absolutely. And look, Dan Howe had a game out. John Newcomb comes in, haven't seen him for ages, hasn't played any footy. Kid's a freak. (laughs) That's ridiculous talent. Blake Hardwick has had a great fall line after his 100th game last week. Tom Mitchell keeps doing Tom Mitchell stuff. Mitch Lewis looks like the penny's dropped. He's aggressive at both ends of the ground. Jeez, this is going to be the fastest recap we've ever done. Do you have any more? Timmy O'Brien's best game. One of Segler's <laughs> best games. It's ridiculous. What's going on? Well, we'll go into a bit more detail with all of these guys, but, you know, you talk about excuses before. You know, the dogs might have had some. But they were playing for for establishing themselves in the top four, really entrenching themselves, and they didn't get it done. Not only that, they lost by 27 points. This, this wasn't just, oh, Hawthorne just scraped by. They lost by 27, but they only scored 37. <laughs> That's a good point as well. And Hawthorne, you know, you talk of excuses. They had their own excuses, right? Look at the players missing. I mean, obviously we know that Moore was out. Bruce, uh, obviously the likes of Day, Impey, CJ, Sicily, Gunston... Then you have Warple, who misses, and then O'Meara was a late out. Sorry, that's nine players who would be best 22. Yeah, and it's teamwork, isn't it? The team has gelled, they're working together, they're solving stuff out on the ground, and it's working. The ball movement's fantastic. Lewis and Cozzy, it's a, a dynamic duo. It's becoming very, very watchable. 
which is something we haven't said for a while. Well, I wanted to touch on Lewis and Cozzy because they were low-key one of my favourite parts of this game because I noticed quite early on that, you know, the dogs are well-marshaled in defence and they were doing quite well on our tall forwards, uh, dubbed the sparring partners by the broadcast team, which I particularly enjoyed. Might run with that myself. But uh, they were very keen, the dogs, to blanket the two tall avenues to goal, so much so that they're literally hanging off each arm of Cozzy at one stage, I think it was. That was comical. <laughs> I felt like they did well enough, the dogs, to, to really shut the, that movement down through those two guys, but they just couldn't keep it up. Now, this is a real sign of maturity and development from these two guys, Lewis and Cozzy, because they stuck at it. Persistence really paid off. I, I thought... They were great. They combined for, let's see, six contested marks and three goals too. And uh, I thought it was very promising. I liked how they were so physical in the air. Every time the ball was near them, they either took the pack with them or they took the mark or they got it down to someone else. It was very aggressive for much of the day. And each week they're hitting the scoreboard. They are a definite threat on goal. Let me tell you a little something about Mitch Lewis. There's two things here that I want to note. He's kicked a goal in basically every game he's played. So he's hit the scoreboard. He's hitting it with regularity. The other thing about this game is I think he registered five tackles and that was one of our highest. Yeah, because he went up onto the ball for some period, didn't he? You know, very short period. But he was he, usually when he does that, he looks out of place. But this time, he was really throwing his way around. Yeah, Mitch Lewis has got his mojo and I'm loving it. It's a wonderful, let's say, Lewis and Cozzy, great one-two punch. Sparring partners indeed, Tiz. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Dan Howe. We need to discuss him because this is the kind of form that we've seen at Box Hill, but it was delivered on the big stage at long last. A BOG performance, 34 touches for a whopping game-high 769 metres gained. Wow. I, I read that. I thought it was a mistake. Yeah, and they weren't all panic kicks, which is how a lot of really high scores come about. But... He was kicking down the line. He was taking the hardest kicks most times. Um, and in the first half, I got frustrated with him. But in the second half, he really turned it on and, and he was the match winner. Yeah, eight score involvements in all in the end. And he kicked one goal one. And his goal in particular, that long bomb from, what was it, outside 50 in the end? That was huge. That was huge in the context of the game. That is a massive goal. And the confidence to take that kick... And it was a clever kick. He worked out where the other shots had been missing and he put it to the right spot and it sailed through. Brought down the bont as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've seen him take a few good tackles uh, and tackle some mean opposition before, but every now and again he does some strange, weird and wonderful stuff. But Dan Howe this season has been terribly consistent and I hope that we can retain his... Because he's just starting to win games off his own boot influence matches when he wants to it's that kind of maturity that you're seeing from a few of the boys in the last month the penny's starting to drop with a lot of these young kids and and then you look at Jai Newcomb who's no match fitness at all <laughs> comes in plays his best game you just pinch yourself don't you oh, just how lucky to pick him up 18 disposals in the end at 89% disposal efficiency, a game-high 11 tackles, a game-high 31 pressure acts. A bunch of them were in defensive 50. He, he's the guy, in terms of our defensive 50, he was leading our pressure acts in that part of the ground, by the way. I didn't notice him. It's so hard on the telly. I do hate it. You see so little of the ground, but was he stationed back there or was he just... I'm not actually sure. I just think he got to work. 
when the ball had to be won back, he got he got working. And you know, this is a youngster that's really hungry for the contest. And clearly, Newcomb, we we saw it as as early as his debut. He's a guy that applies himself with such intensity that you just can't help but be incredibly excited. And did you notice the red-headed Sicily at uh, centre-half back? That was interesting. <laughs> oh, that's a massive call. <laughs> Come on, 24 touches, 10 marks, three of the contested and 14 intercepts. Timmy O'Brien has never played that well. Who was he on? Because I'm not sure they touched it. <laughs> well, the, the, the ball wasn't getting to them because, I mean, the guy ends up with 14 intercepts. What does that tell you? 10 marks, three of them contested, and 14 intercepts. Whoever they're trying to deliver the ball to, the dogs, it's just not getting there. And it was great to see Caleb Daniel finally um, take on the, the responsibility of the ruck. That was, um, that was an interesting decision. Oh, you're just sore and sorry because he brought down Connor Nash. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit. But Timmy, Timmy English would have been no better than Caleb against uh, John Segler. Yeah, because John Segler's hit a purple patch out of nowhere. Yeah, getting dropped for a kid that's about 20 centimetres taller than you will do that, Nick. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's worth noting, he, he doesn't have his future to play for like some of the guys on the list. He's still got a year to run on his contract, but it hasn't stopped him really turning it on. He was easily the best ruckman out there on the day was certainly prolific as well with 17 disposals, 14 of those contested, which is a wonderful ratio. And that was the most of any Hawk out there for contested touches. And an equal team high six clearances that was shared with Tom Mitchell. So hats off Johnny Segler. He's enjoying some good form at the moment. McAvoy kicked a good goal too. Not as good as Chad Wingard's goal, which was fabulous. It was a beautiful, spectacular goal. No one else was anywhere near it and went through. It was yet another game where there were just so many highlights. Uh, I mean, what about Lockie Bramble's goal? That was one of my favourites from the day. First goal, excellent goal. Um, pressure on him and delivered, just as he, as he always seems to. There was a bloke who also kicked a goal that I really enjoyed, and that was Ollie Hanrahan. We know his contract's up. He tweeted how good it was to have a win. He's very vocal on the social media. He likes to interact with the fans there. And... Um, yeah, last week he went missing a bit. This week he really imposed himself on the game, I thought, and tried to keep actively involved, um, which can be difficult out there. But I think in the absence of more, we were more reliant on him. I think that would have been key, yeah. I was much more impressed with uh, Henry Han. I was satisfied with his game. Uh, we had a question from Wiley here. Uh, do you think Cosio Lewis could eventually pinch hit in the ruck similar to Ruffy, thinking post-McAvoy with Reeves as our number one ruckman? To me, it would make it easier to carry three key forwards in games. For example, the combo of Cozzy, Lewis, and either Jekka or Callow. Oh, I think Cozzy's closer. He probably hasn't had much, but he's got the physicality for the ruck, but he has no um, experience there. So I think Mitch Lewis has been trained in the ruck, but he needs to fill out a bit more. You'll spot Lewis occasionally doing that role, um, certainly much more than Cozzy. He, he's the go-to, especially if, if Tim O'Brien's not down there. Tim would be our first choice. And then Lewis is next in line. And I can't recall Cozzy being tried there just yet. But, uh, you know, we've got, some, we've got some options. Timmy's pretty good at the tap, by the way. He's very good at the tap, tap work. But we're getting some options. Who would have thought? We're getting some options. We, we had a scratch match that we got a report from Sam Mitchell on uh, over the weekend. And I thought an interesting little tidbit was um, Callow tried down back. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like it was a serious hit out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, they're just 
seeing what he's like. The body work would be fairly good on him, I'd imagine, but they'd, they'd do that to train him for uh, defensive work. You'd see Cozzy every now and again if he can't get to the contest, just puts the big fist out, straight out of bounds, the defender coming to the fore there. You say straight out of bounds. Didn't one stage in the match he went the big fist and it went to one of our players directly? Was it? Did, it hit, did he hit it straight to Shields? Oh, I think that was a hand. I think he slapped that. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's a bit wily, old Cozzy. No, he knows when he's bringing it down. I've noticed that since McRae's joined the club, they are a little bit smarter about where the ball comes down. Fair enough. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, another player that I want to touch on who made his, well, let's say official debut is uh, Connor Downey. Well, what did, did he run at 100% in the end? Cause he ran at 100%. 12 touches at 100%. I remember seeing that halfway through the game and wondering uh, if he could maintain it. But, you know, excellent hit out from him. And he must be so relieved to actually... Kick a ball in his debut. What about getting out onto the field? I think that would be... <laughs> <laughs> Not standing on the sidelines. Oh, man, we're just... We're very lucky and uh, to be, you know, following Hawthorne. And I know there's been a hell of a lot of big decisions and a lot of change the last 18 months. But, gee whiz, you know, we're, we're finally starting to see some reward, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, things are coming together. Uh, there's one more guy I want to mention coming out of this match. Um, it might be a premature mention because we've got a lot to say about him a bit later in the show. Uh, Sean Burgoyne, like Connor Downey, ran at 100% and uh, 15 touches for the great man. 250 metres gained. Great, great play from Sean. He looks 100% better than he did in his 399th game. (laughs) (laughs) 400 has only made him better. So uh, he he is incredible, and um, the monkey's off his back. He looks like he's enjoying it. Tell me he can't go again. I don't think he will, but we all know that he could, right? Ah, well, you know, do you really want to see him hit the wall? I, I certainly don't. No, I don't. I don't. You make a good point. I just marvel at the guy. He's, he's, he's just brilliant, and his professionalism, the way he keeps his body right, the options that he takes, that's where it is. He takes the right options so often. It's the footy IQ that's made him the player he is. And um, as a football watcher, Burgers had has always had that ability to know when the game was on the line and to impact it. And it wasn't always getting the ball and kicking it. it sometimes it was a tackle. Sometimes it was a defensive punch. But he found a way to influence. And that presence of mind, that staying in the moment, that staring down the pressure and getting the best out of yourself, you can't, you shouldn't be able to do it as often as he has. He's an absolute marvel. I think it's a credit to him as well when you consider the fact that what is there left for him at this stage? I mean, he's been a solid contributor in this mini revival, if you like, of Hawthorne, you know, being on this run of. Three good games and just general uh, turnabout in form, generally speaking. He's not in the next premiership tilt. We're we're not in finals contention or anything like that. The season will end. His career with it. I mean, there's. Do you get what I mean? Like, there's just compared to previous years for this man. There's just not the same quality of motivation. And yet he turns up and he gets it done. I'll never forget his 2016 season where he he almost decided that he was going to be the one to make the difference all year. That was a phenomenal season. His tackle count that year is ridiculous. He's, uh, it's just, he's thoroughly professional. 
thoroughly professional. And I think the impact of those young ones around him, it's just enthusiasm. You can't, like we are, you can't look past um, John Newcomb and suddenly, you know, Lewis and Cozzy and not get wrapped up. He kicked a goal last week and it's just, you know, he, he's loving it. He's loving life. And, you know, he's got one more game, Nick. Got two more games when he walked onto the pitch on Saturday. And what's he holding back? This is my point. You've exactly summed up my point. He could have done any... His legacy is assured. You reckon he's going to do the old Alistair Lynch, do you? Any special targets at Richmond? No one at Richmond's worth it anymore. (laughs) They're out of the finals, mate. Dynasty. Now, are they actually done or is it... Still, statistic. What is it? Mathematically possible? Is that a thing? It's mathematically possible, but it would take an absolute miracle. And it seems to me Hawthorne's in a really good position to just shut that right down right away. Saturday afternoon, the convenient time of one thirty-five p.m. Richmond versus Hawthorne. And look, we're already talking. You know, Sean Burgle. I'm getting into the preview of this game. Um, his 407th and final game, and we've got this question from Al, who hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod. What is your favourite non-2013 prelim silk moment? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, mate, you know, just pick a final. And uh, Burgers usually turned up. There was a semi-final against Sydney. He was excellent. Um, obviously, prelims he turned up in. And... Um, it was generally through teamwork rather than individual brilliance, wasn't it? I mean, that 2013 is is him sealing it, but the teamwork culminating in in Burgess kicking that goal, and he had a that you know that was that was phenomenal. You can go back and just watch Burgoyne that whole game. They should have just had a Burgoyne cam. What about you? When you think back to Burgess, what are you going to be uh, recalling? Well, for me, you know, when you consider a question like this, you do tend to focus on the goals and the big flashy finishes. But the moment that I landed on was roughly seven minutes remaining in the first quarter of the 2014 Grand Final, which I know is awfully specific. That's why I've given you the time code, Tiz, so people can actually look this up. Uh, it's when he gets the crumb in close quarters on the wing and then he extracts the footy from the contest. It's already well done. You'd think that would be the end, but no. He ends up getting the footy back from Mitchell, and from there, it's just silk in a nutshell. He proceeds to be absolutely, remarkably untouchable to any opponent. He bamboozles about five Swans players in a chain that sadly only ends up in a Gunston behind. It probably deserved, deserved a goal. But when I watched that back, you know, I, I clearly I watched it back in preparation for the podcast. But I just thought to myself, this is every bit as good as I had it in my head when I went searching for it. How he evades so many players so nonchalantly is bizarre <laughs> and incredible. It's fantastic. I love it. So well worth your research. That's seven minutes remaining in the first quarter of the 2014 Grand Final. Look it up and enjoy. Uh, now, what is his, his future? Is he staying with the club as a coach? Is that is that We're not losing him, are we? Well, no. I, I believe the terms of his latest contract were that he'd stay in an off-field capacity. So, you know, I, I know there are there are a lot of listeners. I know this for a fact. I see it on our social media all the time. People saying, oh, one more year. Come on, can we get it? Can we squeeze one out of him? I, I just, I don't think those were the terms. I think it's been long decided that this would be it. It just underlines what happened after 2012 when he got the boys together, especially the 
Aboriginal boys, and he said uh, going into the 2013 grand final that they were going to make sure they didn't lose this time. <laughs> Do you remember him telling us that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's sound advice, isn't it? Just make sure you don't lose. No, but it was also gathering them, the whole club together after the 2012 loss. And, of course, he'd been in the 2007 loss, which was just enormous gulf between the two sides. And uh, he just said, we're going to go again. And then they made sure of it in 2013. And Hilly had his brother, who's just recently retired, on the opposition. And Cyril had had a poor game in 2012. And it was the focus they had. that, And, and Burgoyne engendered that in them. And I, I hope that he can do that as a coach. Because it's that kind of... Uh, what's the word, Nick? It's... um. It's a galvanising behaviour, isn't it, to bring everybody with you? And that's what he has. Well, you know, you bring up the Indigenous history. Um, it's super important. That's what he's going to be involved with going forward, part of the club's Indigenous program. And uh, he's transitioning into a part-time advisory role, reports the club, to assist with the development and implementation of that program. Um, so he's going to be a super important figure for years to come. Is he Hawthorne through and through now? Is that it? We forget about the Port Adelaide part? <laughs> His daughter was being interviewed just recently uh, with the announcement of the AFLW team. They had one of Sean's daughters on hand wearing the, the Hawks Guernsey. And she was asked about playing football herself and, and said that she obviously dreamed of playing for Hawthorne like a dad. And I think the reporter asked, well, you know, he played for Port Adelaide as well. And she's like, yeah, I might do that too. And then leave like he did. Is that what she said? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like... It's just one of those classic examples of, you know, kids Kids will say anything, won't they? Because she didn't mean it maliciously or anything, but it's just so funny. That's brilliant. Of course, Tiz, we're forgetting about the other bloke whose final game it is this Saturday, who we really need to talk about. And uh, I've kind of put people through the ringer today with our tribute video. I was out walking at the time and uh, had my mask on and, um, you know... Tears running down the face and into the mask. Not the greatest look when you're just wandering around the park. People are looking at you a bit strange. I mean, you know, I'm looking at my phone bawling to uh, Bruce Springsteen. Thanks for that, Nick. Uh, a lot of people appreciated the tears this morning. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. It just means it's an effective video, isn't it? It just means that it means a lot to you as a Hawks fan. That's all it is. It's great. It's reminiscing, it's... How young did he look in a few of the early photos, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I, I really wanted to capture this, the kind of spirit and personality that he brought. And, and you know, finding those videos and those photos, it's a very interesting experience creating that kind of video because you're like, God, there's just been so much history. There's been... There's, been so many moments that are like oh yeah i remember when he did that or he said this and it's just some of the ones that surprised me were the ones where he's in the car with some of the players you know and they're just driving somewhere to see a fan or or that awful one where they tried to sing christmas carols and he was on the guitar he was just so available really emotionally available to um to everybody, there, there was a there was a lot left on the cutting room floor um, of that video, and one of the clips that didn't end up making it was quite recent, actually, when he went out with James Sicily to visit Emerson Jecker. And how rapt Emerson was! Um, I mean, he almost looked shocked. You know, I don't know whether they're set up or not. Some of these things, because it's remarkably candid. Some of the stuff that that 
uh, gets broadcast. Um, even though Hawthorne tightly control what they what they release, and all the great moments were there as well. All the grand finals, all the sleeping at the Brownlow <laughs> stuff, that you, little things that you wouldn't forget. Um, just the the ability of the bloke to to take the rabble that we were. And we had talent, and we weren't seeing it. And for him to create the stage for them, and get the um, get the emotional buy-in from a lot of players, because um, I remember Dicko was pretty de- dejected when he got to the club. You know, he'd, he'd lost interest in football, and he really he bolstered that. And then he got Crawford through two thousand and seven, and he had back injuries and everything. And then in 2008, he's lifting a cup and that was one of the most remarkable fairy tales I'd ever experienced in football. And then you only have to fast forward a few years and we've lost a grand final and then we're winning a three-peat off the back of it. He he hit very low lows and extraordinary unprecedented highs. So obviously this week there's a lot there's a lot of chat with that combined with Alistair Clarkson's um, final game this weekend. Um, there is a lot of chat about oh well who had the best dynasty. One uh, one team that gets brought up obviously is Brisbane. Brisbane three peated just as we did, and it's got to be between those two teams. So I'll tell you what Brisbane never did, and that is bounce back from a grand final loss to go on and win three more flags. That is extraordinary. Lee Matthews never rebuilt a team um, to win a grand final again. It's just the one team. So I, I see Lee Matthews did it at, at Collingwood, obviously, got them one. But um, Clarko had one team, probably won it before they ought to have. They got ahead of themselves. And then he found a way to do it again, get to a grand final. Shouldn't have lost. We were fantastic that year. And then the next three years, we peaked at the right time. Because we didn't peak at the right time in 2012. He learned all those lessons. Then he lost his best player in 2013 at the end. And then he still won the next two. 2016, got close. They were all so buggered. Those players were so tired. Extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. And now he leaves as our most successful coach. And... You couldn't ask anything more of him. He's set the club up for another challenge. I think it's a credit to him as well um, because these last weeks of his tenure, um, again, we've said it before, he could have checked out. He could have done anything. Could have said, stuff you. I'm doing what I want. My plans are my plans. We're not using your blueprint. I'm going out on my terms doing what I want. I can see that's not the case. Like I think that's plain to see for Hawks fans that he's been perfectly cooperative. And what what that says to me, what that speaks to, is a big beating heart for this club. And you'd think, well, Nick, you know, he's been there 18 years. What do you expect? We've heard a lot lately. <laughs> you know, You know what I mean? Like, we've heard a lot that would suggest that it's been toxic, it's been rough, relationships destroyed that would never be the same. It doesn't feel like it's gone that way. And instead, what we have as fans is we sit down in front of the telly, because that's all we have at the moment, and we watch a winning culture 
And that, frankly, is the last thing any of us fans would have expected a few weeks ago. What a turnaround and what a credit to Clarkson that is. A hundred percent. It has to go to him because it's a custodian line that everyone utters. Everybody throughout the whole club, they view their roles as custodians and that they'll pass it on and the club will get better as it goes on. And Clarko said it way too many times at those AGMs over the years, but he lives it. He lives it out. Just reminds me of that old saying where, like, you you plant a tree so that others might sit in its shade. Well, in, in this case, Clarko, you know, will have no trouble returning to the club in some other capacity in the future. Um, there doesn't seem to be any bad blood or, you know, it seems to have been well managed emotionally by the, by the main players. And, and for all the circus of the media and, and, and critics and people lobbing bombs into it, we've come out with our best month in, what, three years? It's, we've played very well. And our form against the top eight is very, very good. It's the ones that are around us we struggled with. It's <laughs> very odd. Yeah, just one of those bizarre things. When you look at our form against the top eight, it's uh, above a pass mark, really. Which just shows you there was something wrong, definitely something wrong mentally, psychologically, maybe with the game plan. Just wasn't coming together. But now, with this fresh air, you know, it's it's all these players are starting to pick up what they're meant to be doing. It. You can see pennies dropping in all these young kids' heads. And we're missing that much talent on the park. It's fascinating. And it does it does make you question why he's going, I've got to say. <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, okay, well, that was, they were a couple of good wins. But, but now I'm like, oh, geez, really? Um, <laughs> can we go back and have that again? <laughs> I, I think it's a little more complicated than that. It flows into what I was saying before. Yes, it's a credit to Clarko in the sense that I think he's been able to loosen the reins and adopt what is essentially Mitchell's blueprint and getting him started for next year. I think that's what's happened. It can't be a coincidence. And listeners can tell me if I'm wrong about this in terms of the timeline of things. But that Freo game, that Freo game down in Tassie, I think we can look back on that and say there was something very wrong internally with the club, right? Yeah, that was, there were real upheaval there. And then, the, And then the second all that is... <laughs> painstakingly addressed and played out, things start to resolve themselves. I think it's Clarkson working with Mitchell and being an utmost epitome of a professional to the end to work with his successor. I think what we're seeing is just the seed sown of what Mitchell's trying to do and will try to accomplish next year and Clarko being good enough to go with it. Well, I mean, there's some tough decisions for for Clarko going forward. What's he going to do with all that time? Well, he's intimated on a couple of occasions that he's not interested in getting straight back to work. Um, you know, it was interesting pre-game, prior to the, the Hawthorne Bulldogs match, they were interviewing Bevo. And I thought, you know, Bevo let slip just offhandedly that he had had a chat with Clarkson earlier in the week and Clarko had intimated that he wanted to go overseas. Now, we can talk about the viability of that in the current climate, all we like. But, you know, I thought that was an interesting little crumb. I'd like to go overseas myself. Is he going on holidays? Or... No, I'd like to go and see Clarko coaching in the NFL. That'd be good. I think he's a bit envious. If he can, he always gave the players folders, right? You remember how Cyril and Duray were, I used to chat over where they 
positioned for a forward throw-in and, and Duray knew where he ought to be, that is Cyril, and Cyril knew where Duray had to be in the back 50 throw-in. Uh, so if they're allowed folders on the pitch for the NFL, I mean, that is a dream for Clarkson. <laughs> it could well be. He's just had all these set plays. I think, yeah, absolutely. He'd love it. If anything was going to get me into the NFL, it might be that, to be honest. I'd be interested to see what Clarko could do. They've got some decisions ahead of them in his final game, uh, with personnel being available potentially. You've got Warple and O'Meara, who are tests. Uh, Bruce is apparently in the frame as well. I'm not sure why he'd risk him, but he's listed as a test. So oh, he'd love to play the last game under Clarko. Be great. I think that's it. I think they all, all the boys want to be part of it, but there's only 22 spots, so someone's going to have to miss out. Well, we're missing out, Nick. We're missing out. No, I, I really do hope that the club, the AFL, come to the party and instead of having some little thing where they all roll around in a truck uh, waving at people in Perth, probably, um, to say that they're leaving the game, we have... What isn't uncommon, it, it's very common overseas, a testimonial game, um, to see some of these blokes applauded and, 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 and know that they're loved, you know, because it's two years now since they've really felt the full weight of appreciation from, from members and, and Hawthorne supporters. We had a question from Judith. Will there be any virtual farewells to both Clarko and Silk? Well, I think the thrust of that is they've got to do something. Um, and they've got to do something ASAP. So as soon as you can have crowds back, I'd, I'd like the club to embark on some sort of celebration of these great icons. They've just got to. Well, if the Shopping Town Hotel can get it done. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, right. You seen that going around? What is it? Ruffy and Burgers and Clarko and someone else? It's someone else. It's Hodgie. Oh, is it Hodgie? Wow. Decent lineup, that one. Oh, it's, a de- it's a very decent lineup. It's the kind of lineup you'd expect at a. At a coterie function. If only we could all leave our houses. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, look, that, that is the thing that... I know it can't just be us. A lot of Hawthorne supporters this weekend will be like, oh, I just wish we could be there to do this properly. But no, it's going to be up to the boys. And um, I, I, think, I think we can have a win. And God knows both of these guys deserve it. I think we can pull it off. So uh, who's cheering them off? You know, it actually wouldn't surprise me if, if Burgoyne and Clarko just went arm in arm. Oh, I hope they get the chair. You hope they get the chair? Jeez. I mean, the chair off. <laughs> right, oh, I'm such a dickhead. <laughs> that low-hanging fruit there. Been making fun of Richmond not getting their three feet all week. I'm all about low-hanging fruit. I'm positively stuffed. Yeah, what are we going to do after, you know, after next week? We talk about how the game went and we wax lyrical about the careers of Burgers and Clarko, and are they? Do they just walk off in the sunset? Is that it? Are the contracts over? They leave, or I'm not sure. Well, I, I know as we mentioned, Burgoyne's got the off-field role, but I'm not sure when the, what the parameters of that are. They can't go far. <laughs> and and I think Box Hill, they get finals, or or there's something on the cards there. Yeah, the way it's been rejigged, and we heard this from the Box Hill social media team. They tweeted that as things stand at the moment. Uh, Box Hill are going to return to action in a qualifying final against Williamstown the first weekend of September. Um, it just feels like you'd be a brave person to bank on that at this point. I mean, obviously we have our fingers crossed, but we just never know. Well, there's something to look forward to for the Hawkers out there. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've got 
a fair bit coming up for the Hawk Talk podcast, but I think after the season proper, after we do the round 23 recap, and this might be a bit of a risk of having the meeting on air tis, as it were, but we might take like a week or two off. And then we're back into it as the list gets overhauled and we add youth to the list and we change coaches and uh, we've got to look at the AFLW set up, the VFLW kicking back in again and... Oh, it never stops, Nick. It's footy, footy, footy all year round now. It just keeps on going. I love it. I love it. I can't wait for the off-season. I'm low-key excited for it. That's my favourite part. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's plenty to look forward to, I think, with Hawthorne. Definitely a team to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you've got nine of your best players out of the lineup and you're still whacking, you know, top two opponents around at, at Tassie, whether we're back there or not, that's another thing. There's all the questions about the administration. We've got that letter uh, that the that the age decided to publish this week. We'll have to discuss that at some point. Yeah, we had a question from Andrew. We had questions from a few people actually asking for us to discuss uh, James Morrissey's take on, on the Prez, uh, which we'll get to. There's obviously a lot to unpack there, and we could spend a lot of time talking about that. But we want to keep uh, this episode and indeed the next um I don't know, what's the word? As pure as possible, Tiz. It's going to be one big celebration, hopefully. All those decisions about the admin are usually made in the off-season anyway, so uh, that's generally how it happens. Are we winding down? It sounds like we're winding down for this week. Well, I'm not winding down. I'm very excited for Saturday Arvo at one thirty-five. I'm excited and I'm also apprehensive. I don't really want it to happen because that means it's over. But also, we could really rub Richmond's nose in it. This could be wonderful. You thought you could three-peat? Just rub their nose in it. How do you think we'll go against the Tigers? Because, you know, all their expectations have been dashed. We should win. We should win. There's no shortage of motivation here. There's so much to play for. Such a good occasion. Twofold. Um, We're playing with good form. Gear it up. This is your prophecy. Oh, no, the prophecy's dead. The Tigers sorted that by being absolutely rubbish. Gee, I thought they'd give more of a yelp. (laughs) <laughs> they're not even really in contention anymore. Yeah, you got one chance left this year to actually nail a multi. Friday night, you ready, Nick? The Dogs versus Port. You're kidding me, aren't you? That's Port Adelaide every day of the week. Yeah, the Dogs are favourite for that, so you'll actually get good odds. Uh, then it's us up against Richmond, and you're fully in Hawthorne's court. Indeed I am. Sydney versus the Gold Coast. Marvel again. That's Sydney. Brisbane versus the West Coast Eagles at the Gabba. Brisbane, I can't trust West Coast. Geelong versus Melbourne. Uh, Geelong. Really? Yep. Carlton versus GWS. GWS. St Kilda versus Frio in Tassie. Depends when the siren sounds. (laughs) Uh, Frio. Essendon versus Collingwood. Uh, Essendon. And then, this is where it gets interesting, folks. Adelaide versus North. (laughs) Oh, no! That's how they're going to round out the fixture. Is that honestly how the home and away season ends? 4.40 on a Sunday afternoon, Adelaide versus North. Jeez, talk about going out with a yelp. <laughs> and then and then there's no bye, of course, but uh, straight into finals the following week. Well, there is a bye. It's Essendon saying bye in the first week of the finals. Anyway, um, look, I keep on hearing about how good North is, so I, I suppose I'll have to tip them. We're done. Now, you know what's a fascinating administration little question that I've only just thought of? 
who's eligible to play for Box Hill? That is a good question. Because in a truncated season, can we can we roll out Gunston if he's available? <laughs> Just put him in the forward pocket, or yeah. Well, when when the final series gets delayed again, he should be right. Is Nash still good? Like, or has he played too many in the top flight? Who knows? Well, if I ask you, Nash has always been good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need to get to some social media stuff to wrap up. Uh, if you're listening to this via Apple Podcasts and you do like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you left a rating or review of our show on there, just as these fine people have done here. The first one from Davo3030. Excellent podcast. Really enjoy listening to fellow Hawks fans. It's a five-star review. Thank you so much, Davo. And this one, a bit of a longer one here from Glen Ferry Kid. Glen Ferry Kid had a little bit of time on his hands, it seems, Nick. See, now, if my mum and dad were more tech-savvy, I'd be inclined to think it was them. That's how glowing this is. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get on with it. We do appreciate it. The Hawk Talk podcast is engaging, intelligent, and articulate while striking the right balance between thoughtful analysis and self-deprecating humour. The analysis is the much-needed opposite of what conventional football media will deliver, an informed discussion that is inclusive of all those fringe players that club supporters argue about with each other, and those players which ultimately make up the bottom six which win you a premiership. The humour, meanwhile, is unforced and natural, inherent to the rapport between the two presenters. For an emotionally invested club supporter like me, this podcast is eagerly awaited each week. It also keeps a close eye on the twos. Keep up the good work. I tell you what, if you if your parents are that glowing of you, I would have loved to have just attended a couple of your parent teacher interview nights. <laughs> that was it's pretty good, isn't it? Like that is a wonderful thing. That is a beautiful review. You can um when I get my Christmas card from this you this year, if you just put that in Instead of the Merry Christmas greetings, that'll be great. Done and done. <laughs> now, that, that was very wonderful. Thank you, Glenn Freakid, for writing that. that. That sends our spirits soaring to the heavens. We, it really makes our day when we hear stuff like that. So thank you, even if it was a, perhaps a tad indulgent for us to read it out just now. <laughs> but, you know, we want to recognise, you know. Oh, no, you've got to recognise um, the compliments people give you. It's It's only... Natural and healthy. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. That's where it all began for us. And from little things, big things grow, Tiz. We're eyeing off 2,900 followers as our next big milestone. And over on Facebook, we're doing pretty well too. You can join the community over there, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. And you can find us on Instagram, of course. And before you get to the next bit, today I got on Redbubble and I enabled the caps. I've been waiting for the caps for years. We can now get either a baseball cap or what they call a dad cap. What is a dad cap, Nick? I think it's what they have down at Geelong. <laughs> I mean, they're signing all these over 30s. They can't sign too many, so they have a dad cap. No, it's, uh, yeah, I didn't really get it, but uh, I, I went for the baseball cap in the end. But it's, you know, I was happy with it. There it is, redbubble.com. We have designs up there now. So if you like the Hawk Talk podcast and you want a bit of merch, We've got some designs up on redbubble.com. Just simply search Hawk Talk Podcast to find them. And indeed, they do have caps now, which is great for Tiz. He's a cap-loving fool. Uh, you can support the show over on Patreon too. Become a subscriber there if you want to support us. There's all sorts of subscription tiers, so you can subscribe to whichever suits you. Uh, all the details are at patreon.com slash hawktalkpod as Tiz attempts to distract me by wearing a souvenir from Canada that I got him, a Toronto Maple Leafs baseball cap. Yeah, you're just trying to trigger my OCD with the leafs that they have written there rather than leaves. A good gift nonetheless. I mean, it's peculiar timing and quite apt because I'm not massively into NHL. I'm always kind of a wannabe fan, so I only sort of know like little bits and pieces about the league. But the thing about the Maple Leafs is they do appear 
to be a lot like a team that we just mentioned. They're kind of like Geelong in that they always almost get there. <laughs> See, now, someone in the rundown has asked us who we're going for in the finals. I believe that was Enns, yeah. Thanks for hitting us up, Enns, at Hawk Talk Pod. Who are you guys tipping or hoping wins the grand final this year? And for me, there's just GWS. <laughs> we're going to get nowhere near it. Well, I mean, they've got good form, but yeah, probably not. What about you? You sort of looking forward to Brisbane lifting the cup aloft, Fagan having a good time? I don't think it's going to happen. They're the team that I'd probably be most comfortable with. It might be a thing about Fagan, might be Birch, but I just, I don't know, something about them losing to us <laughs> shattered my confidence in them a little bit. Port Adelaide, the famous pretenders. You've always called them pretenders. You think they're pretending? I think it might be either Melbourne or Geelong. Oh, jeez, how depressing for me. I was about to say, if that's the grand final, you'll need a new TV. You'll put your remote through it, but the TV won't even go on. (laughs) You won't even get to that stage. Oh, wow. This is going to be an amazing weekend, I think. It'll be good. And then at the end, it'll it'll be sad. But we'll get some really good montages and um, we'll get to reminisce. And next week will be a lot of fun talking about the future and how it looks like the past and how Burgers and Clarko have ended their time at Hawthorne. But what they've ingrained into the culture of the club will go way beyond their lifetimes. Absolutely. It's going to be one of those moments where it's a real Indiana Jones-style finale. They ride off into the sunset as heroes that's what they are they've been heroes to Hawthorne no doubt about it and that's all we have for the Hawk Talk podcast this week as Tiz said we will of course be back next week to recap all the action and don't forget our spaces on Twitter yep come on tell us how you've interacted with Clarko it's going to be an extravaganza of uh, talkback on Saturday Hawk Talkback will return until then we are a happy team at Hawthorne